Hello everybody, it's Sabri Bird again with Quantum Agriculture, another one of our great podcasts. I'm sitting here in near Cottage Grove, Oregon with Marjorie House, who has a company called GoBiodynamics.com, and she's an avid biodynamic consultant. So any of you that needs a consultant in the Northwest for biodynamics, she's your lady. Uh, just go to biodynamics.com. So welcome, Marjorie. Thank you. So how did you begin on this path first as a farmer? Or? As a farmer? <coughs> well, I grew up... Uh, I grew up going to my grandparents' farm. And my <coughs> dad's parents had a dairy farm. And they had left the farm before I was old enough to really remember it. But then my other grandparents... Um, Stuart Cruikshank and Christine, they had a sheep ranch. My grandfather was the second largest wool grower in the Pacific Northwest. Uh -huh. And he created the Small Farmers Wool Growers Association. And he w it was a co-op for wool growers, and he would go from Canada to Mexico collecting wool and selling it to Pendleton Woolen Mills for an equal price. And so I was around that. And he also went to the University of Idaho and did a lot of research, agricultural research for them with animals. And so I was around that. And I spent every spring break and summer. Spring break, because they'd have lambs and there was the bummer lambs that had to be hand fed. So that was my job, spring break. I learned how to butcher chickens and drive a tractor. And um, my grandfather had five daughters. So his big thing was he would just buy them bikinis and put them on the tractor and they were all beautiful and made the neighbor boys work twice as hard and twice as fast. <laughs> He had a beautiful woman in a bikini on the tractor. That was his strategy. And so he was a good businessman, too. Yep. So, Sell uh, that wool. And let's see. Um, he did buy me a Radio Shack computer when I was a kid and gave it to me and my cousin. I was the oldest cousin. And uh, he said, this is how you're going to do your farming business in the future. And, of course, I didn't go that direction. And I never thought I was going to be a farmer, ever. I said, no way, that's too hard to work. And whenever I wanted animals, my parents were like, no, you don't want to have animals. It's such hard work. Well, I do understand that now. I don't have a lot of animals <laughs> still. But uh, I just it fell in love with gardening. And then I moved to Oregon to go to the Waldorf school to be a Waldorf teacher. And I right away figured out that, that was not what I wanted to do. I was... 20 going on 21 but I found out that Steiner had agriculture lectures and I had already read Knowledge Higher Worlds and Occult Science in preparation for the the class the training for a teacher and I read the agriculture lectures and went on oh, and totally connected with it but I didn't know that people did biodynamics because Steiner doesn't call it biodynamics in the agriculture lectures so I never made that connection for a really long time and then I ended up going to herbology school and learning nutrition and then I saw that oh there's not a lot of nutrition in food these days so that's what got me to start growing my own food and at that same time I was reading the agriculture course and really connecting not knowing there's all these groups across the world that get together and make these preparations and then I worked at uh, the Whipple farm down in Yonkala and both both of Mrs. Whipple's Dana Whipple, both her children were Waldorf teachers, and down in California, 
and she, I committed to a year working at her farm for $10 a month. She gave me room and board. I was on their insurance for their cars. I took her to all her appointments. She was in her 80s, so um, she couldn't drive anymore. And I, they had a huge orchard there. And that's where I learned to prune trees. That was back in 1999. And uh, I learned to prune trees there. And she started, I was trying to make preparations on my own according to the agriculture course, not knowing how that people did this. So I would literally go to the butcher and buy intestines and stuff them with chamomile and I literally put them in the compost pile. I buried them in the compost pile because I that was just, I was trying to do it the way that I understood it by reading it. I took a domesticated animal, a horse skull, I stuffed it with oak bark, I put it under the drain spout of the house because um, it said put it where there's running water flowing through it. And um, I got a, you know, cow stomach for making menudo, and I put dandelion in it. <laughs> I was doing what I could according to that. And at the same time, Mrs. Whipple was giving me compost preparations, the sets that she had ordered from JPI. Mm -hmm. And she said, you need to go put these in the compost pile. Well, I didn't make the connection that biodynamic preparations were the same preparations in the agriculture course. I didn't make those connections. Wow. So I'm putting these same preparations. She said, now you have to stir that. And she didn't always do it because her husband had passed away. That's why I was there caretaking the farm. Her husband had passed away. And so she said, well, this is how Lee used to do it. So you just have to stir this and put it in the sprayer in the tractor. They also had several acres of grapes. They were all table grapes, not, um, not wine grapes, grapes necessarily. They had a little patch of wine grapes, but um, and so I would, I was spraying the preps out and doing exactly what she told me to do, how to do it, but I never made the connection. Meanwhile, my best friend, Sophie, was working at Wintergreen Farm with some other folks, and I remember seeing the little piece of paper that has the pictures of the herbs, and that's a biodynamic farm. I never even made that connection. I saw that <laughs> on their table and thought, oh, this is cool, it has medicinal herbs and they're using it for farming and I just thought oh this is cool but I just couldn't make that biodynamic word connect all the things that we're going together. So then I went to the Pfeiffer Center to um, take a beekeeping course with Gunter Hawk and I saw that oh this is a biodynamic place where they do this and I said I wish you guys would do an intensive in the winter time because I can't fly to New York every weekend to do this workshop that happens every weekend. Well, then a few later, so they did have the first winter intensive at the Pfeiffer Center. And so they invited me and I came. What year? Um, when was that? That was, I'm going to say 2002, okay. I think it was. And I went to that and that's where I met Rudy from Montenoir Vineyard. He was also the only other person that had come with his wife from Oregon. We had come the farther. And I got some scholarship uh, also at the time I was working for Ed King and he paid for my airline there even though he never wanted to talk about biodynamics because he was in the wine world and he had thought it was woo-woo. So, uh, but he helped me get there and paid for room and I got a little scholarship and then after that they had another one that was mostly about animals and then the third course was at Hawthorne Valley. So I went to that and stayed there for two weeks and went to the Nature Institute for one week, Hawthorne Valley for a week for their winter intensive. And I just 
have been going ever since and reading and eating up all of the everything I could get my hands on. Well, in the meantime, working for Ed, I took quite a few courses with Elaine Ingham, who is uh, a soil scientist. She created the Soil Food Web. And so taking online courses with her and reading her field guides and whatnot, I started to make these connections with what was happening with biodynamics and what's happening in the soil. Because, you know, Steiner only had he only had so many words at the time. Did you read the intro to anthro medicine? That's where you get No, and you said that and I'm totally gonna do <coughs> yeah, that. Totally. <laughs> That's my listen, next read. Listen to it on Steiner Audio. Okay. RudolphSteinerAudio.com. Just listen okay. to them. And then suddenly the agriculture lectures will become very clear. Yes. Okay, yeah. With all that I've read tons of his lectures and it all I always get something from it to understand. I've read his biography, mm -hmm. I've read Pfeiffer's biography, I've read Lily Calisco's biography. Wow. Um, so all of those, you get a better understanding yep. of what's going on, especially at the time. You get a better understanding where people are coming from, how they get their ideas, uh, especially Steiner. I recommend to anyone to read his biography because you really get to see where he's coming from. What's his background? How did he come up with all these different things? Mm -hmm all these areas of life medicine and theater and yes and education your rhythm and theater you know how did you come up well reading his biography you really get to see and I've seen a couple presentations of Sherry Wildflower giving a presentation of his biography also oh. and she does a wonderful job of telling the story of his life and how he makes all those connections um, so yeah, here I am, and I started to see that. I started to see that biodynamics really has something to say. Steiner gave these lectures to people who barely could read and write. They were peasant farmers, very close to nature. Well, in actuality, the lectures themselves, the agricultural lectures, were given to estate owners. Yes, and that he did give a lot of lectures to the workers that were building the Gertianum. Yes. And he made it, he, you know, definitely that. But the agriculture lectures themselves were recorded by these estate owners. And after all, they were the large-scale farmers of the era. Mm -hmm. And it's still a system in many countries. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, well, at the time, he had to meet them at their level. And he only had so many words to explain what was going on. You know he was giving another lecture cycle yes. at the same time? The same days, he would give a lecture in the morning, take a train, give another series of lectures in the afternoon, and go back to Koberwitz. What were the other lectures? I don't remember. But it was another series of lectures given at the exact same time. The man spent his entire life on trains. Well, his dad was a train engineer. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know. so. And that's where he says he met his teacher, his guru, and this was an herbalist from the Alps. Yeah. And we met that person on a train yeah. and learned about herbs yeah. and herb, herbal uses. Yeah. Of course, farmers in, in China have been putting herbs into compost piles for millennium. Not just centuries, but millennium. So there was information out there. He had a good research team, too, Steiner. Yes, so. definitely. And had he been able to go on and do that second set of agriculture lectures yeah. to... Uh, 
doctors and scientists, he may have used a whole different logos to explain. Well, he did. What yeah. was going and on. the intro to anthro medicine, he did. <laughs> okay. I'm Four gonna... years before the agriculture lecture. <laughs> well, I'll tell oh you, everybody around the world told us to. Well, get the agriculture lectures when you, in my case, listen to the intro to anthropos anthroposophical medicine lectures. And then they'll suddenly say, oh, that's what astrology is. That's what etheric is. That's what the cosmos is sending us. So, and he explains, well, Pfeiffer did too, digestion so well. Yes. And nutrition. Yes. Yeah. Pfeiffer was hired to come to America to help compost garbage. <laughs> Not really. He developed it. Well, yes. They, well, they asked him some. Yeah, because he was at Kimberton first. Right. Pfeiffer and Peter Escher came over to Kimberton. And they weren't happy with the farm situation. They looked for farms in that area. Mm -hmm. Escher and Pfeiffer did. And then went up to Spring Valley, which now is called Cherry Hill, but it was Spring Valley when I first went there. Um, and that's where the labs were. Peter Escher, that's a great story, how he was born into great wealth and died in voluntary poverty. <laughs> As he brought all his wealth over, set up the Pfeiffer lab, set up the farm, and then when Pfeiffer died, he went on the road as a biodynamic consultant. Escher did. Peter Escher did, yeah. yeah. So I, I call him the Johnny Appleseed of biodynamics. So he went up and down the East Coast going to various... Uh, There's a great article on our website um, um, by Mother of News on Peter Escher. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The uh, farm editors were students of his, so he did hmm. visits, and I'm sure Hugh Lovell was in on that same visiting round. Hmm. So... Well, even and at the time, Rodale came mm. and asked Biker for advice yeah. on gardening. It's too bad he made such a mistake on telling people about compost. As he thinks it's one of the worst things that happened to agriculture. And Peter Escher showed that to him. He says, no, wait a minute. Just this tiny sprinkling of this compost. Yeah. Side dress, not... Yeah, because yeah. still, it, it's hard not to come from the NPK concept yes. of, no, this is our nitrogen source, and we've got to put more and more, and it has to be animal nitrogen. And, Right. When actually just watching Hugh with his home compost, just all the roots of every bit of grass that he pulls up for growing bed, all of that goes into compost. Wow. And well, it's a big source of soil. Oh, yeah. So when you pull up those roots, you know, you don't have to go scrounging around. So you get your soil, then, like the um, archaea bacteria or what Laura was talking about, you can read, you know, or like, say, when you get. Seed inoculants, mm -hmm. especially with your legumes, and that inoculation. Well, once that inoculant's down in your soil, and so you pull that soil up and put it in your compost, so that inoculant then is in your compost ongoing. So you don't have to re inoculate your soybeans or other seeds. Yes, I've heard that before. Yeah. That all goes in my compost. This grass is yeah, a great exactly. source of water for compost. I put everything in this morning. We just raked the whole orchard, half of the bottom half of, half of the orchard, and all of that went into the where we're going to compost for yeah. the winter. Yeah, the piles. Usually through the summer, I just collect. I wish you'd seen what he was building of the compost at Tumbling Creek Farm in, in Grass Valley. 
that was beautiful because first part, first lecture was him showing the point and the concentric circle, you know, where the lines come in, the energetic lines of oh. influence. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all the edge effect. Mm -hmm. So then when they built the compost, he kept correcting them to make sure that they got the sides straight. Oh, yeah. Straight, all the way around. And then putting the compost on the corners on the outside, putting the preps, not in the mm -hmm. center of the pile, but on the outside corner mm -hmm. so that the corner, they fall into itself, the pile, mm. instead of out. But the main thing was that edge effect that he kept correcting them on getting the edges really straight all around. So that gave more edge effect, which gave more organizational mm. possibility. Because you're setting up more than just stuff. Yeah. You're setting up an energetic pattern, sort of catching of the patterns and organizing of them. So. Yeah, my pile is almost ready out there. It's been sitting. It's very exciting. It's been sitting for almost a year now because I use a lot of great pumice, which I like yeah, to yeah. compost with. The seeds are really oily. It's fantastic. You can source good, great pumice makes really good compost. That pile was super high and now it's yeah. gone down to see that. It's gonna be ready. I like to big, build really big piles. It's fun. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> to build compost. <laughs> so what else would you like to talk about? What do you see your future in agriculture? Oh my goodness. Mm, well, apples is my specialty. I love growing apples. Eating apples, making cider, um, and, and vinegar. spreading the word. I remember yes, vinegar. vinegar. Yes, that's a great Definitely. little. You can label it and local apple cider vinegar. You can't beat. No, that's for sure. Oh, uh, just a word. Uh, spreading the word, definitely, and just thinking about it, meditating on it, researching it, making it better in a way or better understood it'd be good to have a little perfect already but it sign on your understood. gate that says a biodynamic farm yes yeah so drew we went to his place and spread preps ah this is the mary prepster story yes so <laughs> we all went there and spread preps there are only two farmers at our farmer's market that are not biodynamic and recently at our farmer's meeting we talked about fertility and both of them said they're on board to do biodynamics. Well, like, <laughs> so we will be an all biodynamic farmer's market. Yes, good. <laughs> right? You know, where we used to live in the Appleton Tablelands in far north Queensland, um, they opened a store, a biodynamic store front, and it's a cooperative mm -hmm. sales. And it's, you know, manned by the farmers and they have refrigeration there. But what it's done for the local area is it's about tripled the amount of farmers growing biodynamically. Wow. Because they have an outlet now for it. Wow. And it's known. Yeah. You're going to come there. They sell other organic products, but it's mostly local biodynamic food. That is great. And so we have here a six-day-a-week, seem to be a seven-day-a-week farmer's market where any of us can take our stuff and put it on consignment or just be paid outright for it. So we call in and tell Scott, who runs it, what we have, um, say on a Sunday or Monday, and then he'll order for the week from us Great. first local. And then he tries to run it like a store. So if the, if he can't get it local, he'll go up to Eugene area mm -hmm. and, and fill in the gaps a little bit. But he carries all kinds of other organic stuff also. That's perfect. 
Yeah, it is. It's been well, it's certainly encouraging the growers. Yeah, definitely. And are people doing CSA here too? Yes. Yep. Drew from Highwire does a CSA. I did did a spring CSA, and then uh, I do a preservation CSA. So that's where my customers get uh, a box. Say, each week they get a box of something to process. So they get a box of 20, 25 pounds of tomatoes. Oh, and perfect. then I give them instructions if they haven't already done it. And then the next week a box of green beans. And then the next week a perfect. box of tomatillos. And I give them recipes or ideas. Oh, that's a great. That's a great one. So for, because a lot of times I found when I lived in town and just had a small garden, I had to buy stuff for canning or yeah. preserving um, flats, berries, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So this way I felt like, oh, that would be a great CSA for families. And you can do a flower CSA too, you know. Yes. People add on flowers, they add on meat, they add on eggs, they add on... Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. And he used to grow a lot of glads. That's what Peter Escher oh. told him to do. Yeah, and because, you know, I, I personally find it a big waste, but, but he said when he arrived, because he had to start an organic farmer's market just in Atlanta just to get sales going and then started the first CSA in Georgia and probably in the southeast at the time. It was pretty unknown. Well, and and um, there were three delivery points in Atlanta. But how now, many people were in the CSA? 80. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And so, um, but if you had a crop failure, you had a crop failure. But okay. his was a different model, you know, model where you pre-bought into your membership, so. Yeah. Well, I have two roses in this and several rows of sunflowers out there, mostly for weddings. I'm doing two weddings. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Two weddings and then the, there's two local antique stores that buy the rest of my flowers. Oh, beautiful. set up. Yeah, what he did was the glads. When he'd come to the market, he'd have these buckets of glads. And even before he'd open his stall, all the stall holders would come by his glads <laughs> as a way of giving some beauty to their tables. Perfect. Yeah, yep. yeah. And Perfect. so that worked out really great. You know, he helped all the growers and sold all his glads before he sold a vegetable one. That's great. The gladiolas here were really early this year. I grow them also, and they were really early. The dahlias were early this year, too. Yeah. Very, it was a pretty warm spring, warm beginning of the summer. So it was a little, those things were a little early. So you're buying your farm now? And yes. Yep. We made an agreement to take over next month in September. My gosh. And we've been slowly, we've been here for two years already. And then I helped start another farm with uh, another woman um, here in Cottage Grove. And... You know, she did goats and I did apple trees, and those things don't always go together. <laughs> so, um, so then people kept telling me about this place, about the 400 apple trees, and uh, then telling him, the owner, Jane Gibbs, about me, because I've had a tree printing business for 15 years. Yeah. And finally, finally, I called him, and he said, I've been waiting for you to call. And I literally came here and planted my garlic the next day I came here and met him and I had my garlic seed in the back seat of my car because I was going to go to another farm and plant it and rent a space from him just for my garlic and so I happened to have it in the car and he happened to have some rows worked up so we made our agreement that we were going to sign a lease and that there, with the possibility to buy because I was searching for property at the time to buy and 
I said, can I just plant my garlic now? And he said, really? I said, yeah, my seed in the pot. So I did. I planted with all my garlic. So we, uh, it went from there. We moved in literally. What's started your moving name? in the next day. Kaiser Creek. Kaiser Creek. Kaiser Creek. Yes. And that was the name that Jean gave it. This is Kaiser Creek that runs up here. There used to be a little mill town up above us. There's no houses above us. We have one neighbor. And there used to be a mill, mill town up there called Kaiser Creek. And so that's where it got its name. Kaiser Creek Farm and Orchard. It's a good name. Means, Farmer girl. Means king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we came here and... I, when I first came here, I said, oh, there's no way I could afford this. And I just turned around and left. I didn't even call him. Well, but then it all place. has worked out, yes. Gene has done a lot of really great landscaping and work here. He's created a really nice ambiance. And I think us coming here kind of just um, enhanced it. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, my gosh. Biodynamics. So why are you so interested in quantum agriculture system? Quantum agriculture? Yeah. Well, certainly the open-mindedness of it and really not being afraid to talk about the science behind it. Because if Steiner were alive today, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. There are people out there who poo-poo the science. And whether they're staunch dogmatic anthroposophists or they're just hardcore dogmatic practitioners of biodynamics, um, and they poo-poo the science. And if Steiner were alive today, he wouldn't be doing that. He wouldn't be embracing right. the so. science. And so with quantum agriculture and with Hugh's work, when I first saw him, I said thank you because so many people don't talk about the science behind what's going on, what are the mechanics. You know, I had recently was at a workshop and somebody said, don't buy a car from somebody who says they think they can know how to explain how biodynamics works and I said well you know I didn't say this but in my mind I was thinking you know we all just bought a car from Steiner so don't you want to know how to how the mechanics of that car works <laughs> I do <laughs> let's talk about this because if we're gonna bridge you know you come you come to the world of agriculture these days and people are very academically learned they have gone to school for agriculture or uh, there's so much science of it. <laughs> and you have to make bridges. You can't just approach somebody who's gone to school for agriculture. You can't approach them and tell them that if they do this, the fairies and the sylphs are going to come. Well, our, our system <laughs> is a farming system. It's not, <clears throat> you know, that's why we start with the biochemical sequence of how plants grow. And it's a sequence described really by Steiner. I mean, yep, he uses the is. same references, yep. you know, silica, the aristocrat, yes. you know, boron, the balancer. These are things he made up, but they're Steiner's words for them. Yes. Sulfur, the catalyst. So we feel once people, chemical or non-chemical farmers, start to understand how plants grow through this biochemical sequence, which several people are writing their PhD thesis on around the world, then approaching the biology, making sure that the biology is strong, living soil, self-sustainable, and active biologically, and then we bring in the biodynamics as a system for organizing 
this biology. You can't take the preparations and expect sand to become biologically active soil. It doesn't work that way. And Steiner said cover crops and and so by doing the biology, then the biodynamics as an organizational force of patterns, then we add on the quantum technologies, which is why we're called quantum agriculture, because we approach it from the quantum physics and quantum mechanics and use various instruments and devices that actually harmonize the work we've done with the biodynamics and the biology. So we can actually set up a quantum field over whole farms or communities. And, um, and then the spiritual side comes. Well, I think of if, course. You, if you approach it from the practical side and people start doing this, you can't teach them that spiritual side that Steiner is talking about, but when you start doing this, the practical things, uh, then that stuff just comes to people. Well, also, know? I think whenever anyone has an experience of walking on a truly biodynamic farm, it's noticeable. I've seen it all over the world now. You walk onto that farm and you feel the energy. The bird life is different. The animal life is different. And there's definitely a peacefulness among the workers. It's something that biodynamics attracts to itself. It's a harmonious system. And if you want to call it spiritual or not, I think it's pretty well scientifically explained how intention affects. It certainly yeah. speaks for itself. Yes, exactly. You know, what plants love is the footsteps of the farmer. Yeah. And, you yes. know, that's part of our intention. Plus, well, we are increasing life force. I yes. think that's yes. one of the main, starting to understand these etheric flows, which includes life. Yep. That's where we approach it from life first. Yep. And deep respect of life. And if you do biodynamics, then you're eating biodynamic food, there is a higher nutritional content because you're having all of the, that uptake of nutrients and getting a full system in your food, you're getting higher nutrient-dense food. Yes. And when you eat that food, it gives you, it has the ability to make you think differently. It's exactly right. And that's where that's my goal with All it, right. is nutrition, bringing better nutrition, and which brings better willpower to people. Exactly. That's exactly why it was begun was to increase the, the will and the ability to be spiritually connected, which is very hard when you're in a nitrate saturated diet. Yep. And um, considering nitrogen is directly correlated with consciousness. Yeah. And our consciousness is affected by the quality of our nitrogen intake. And so by balancing that correctly and not overdoing anything. So um, anything else? Mm, I really appreciate you guys coming here. Oh, our gift, our pleasure. Yeah. And seeing, seeing that uh, Mary Prepster's putting... Oh, yeah. Preparations out on yes. an organic farm, that's very sweet. Thank you for participating. Um, I'm going to see My you at pleasure. the National Conference yes. and perhaps at the Quantum Agriculture Training. Yes. I love you. Thank you. <laughs>